1: Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Spiritual warfare is a two-edged sword. What I mean by that is that it is both defensive and offensive. For example, when nations go to war with each other at sea, they usually include in their fleet a hospital ship. The hospital ship is for the purpose of caring for the wounded so that they will recover. But wars are not won by hospital ships navies need ships capable of going on the offensive otherwise the enemy will wreak havoc in spiritual warfare we need to be on the defensive against the wiles and the assaults of the enemy but let's never forget that the true nature of this warfare is offensive jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail the warfare we're in involves the church taking the battle right up to the enemy invading his territory plundering his goods depopulating hell and populating heaven. This is Set Free with
0: Ken Legg. And we're glad you've joined us today. It's Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. I hope you can stay with us for the next 10 minutes or so as we look at saints punching above their weight, spiritual warfare, Ken, it's an important point that you just made there, that the Christian warfare is both defensive and offensive. Yeah, as you know, Phil, we're looking at David's mighty men this week.
1: And this contrast of defensive and offensive is brought out by two of his mighty men. One was called Eliezer and the other Shama. Let me just read to you what it says in the scriptures. First of all, it says that Eliezer arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. And then we read this other man, Shama. The Bible says that the Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he, that Shama, stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended
0: it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Okay, so Sharma is there. He stayed and defended. But what does that actually mean for us? Okay, I I see three aspects to this defensive uh, nature of the warfare. First of
1: all, of course, on a personal level, we need to be watchful. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. That word devour is a very graphic word, Phil. It actually means to drink down, to gulp entirely, and to swallow up. So the enemy is out looking for destruction. Now, like Sharma, we must learn to stand And resist. We spoke about that yesterday. We spoke about how we need to stand and having done all to stand, to stand with the whole armor of God and to resist the enemy so that he will flee from us. But then secondly, I think there are times when we stand on behalf of others. Remember, Sharma defended this field of lentils. Well, I could ask, what's your field today? You know, it might be for some people today, there's a mother there standing for her family. There might be somebody there interceding on behalf of another. Maybe others out there that uh, really need to rescue someone. You know, like Paul says if somebody's overcome with the sin, you who are spiritual, go and rescue them, go and restore them, bring them back to recovery. What's your lentil patch? Uh, what's God asking you to station yourself amongst so that you can defend it? It might be a ministry, mm. it might be a person, it might be a family. That's what I believe is the second aspect of this
0: defensive thing. I'll tell you now, Ken, it would want to be something other than a field of lentils. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? I'm not sticking around to defend that. There wasn't much food around, I don't think, for David (laughs) and his men then. Now, you mentioned three aspects to standing and defending. So what's the third one? Okay, that's to stand for the truth. Jude said, contend earnestly for the faith which
1: was once delivered for the saints. Now, you look at church history, there have been many battles that have been fought when the truth was at stake. Mm. Truth was being um, attacked. Uh, Here's a battle, which you may be familiar with, you may not, but there's two characters in church history. One was called Athanasius. Yes, I know this story. You know the story? And the other is Arius. Arius, of course, denied the deity of Christ. Some of the cults today are Arians. They believe what he taught. They denied the deity of Christ. But Athanasius saw that the Bible clearly teaches that Christ
0: was co-equal, co-eternal with the Father, mm. fully man, yes, but also fully God. And he suffered great persecution at the hands of the church. They kicked him out and they uh, kicked him out. Fact, did they some d- terrible things to him. they banished him five times to the desert. Can you believe that? You know, they banished him to the desert and
1: they said, oh, no, we got it wrong. And they called him back and then they sent him out there again five times. But he stood for the truth and because of that, the doctrine of the person of Christ has been preserved. Mm-hmm. Luther's another one. Um, In 1521, he was summoned before the king, German princes, hostile theologians, and ordered to retract from the truth of justification by faith. This is what he said. We're talking about standing in our lentil field. He said, here I stand. I can do no other, so help me God. And thank God that he did, because today, you know, we've been, the church has been liberated from a doctrine of salvation by works, Mm. and we know that our salvation is in Christ. Now, today, I think one of the biggest challenges that is facing the church in terms of spiritual warfare is a battle for the truth. Uh, Today, we have this thing called the emergent church. I don't know if you've heard of it, which can be good, it can be bad. The church is trying to differentiate, if you like, between, okay, some of the things that we've taken on board. How much of this is man-made traditions? How many things are just cluttering us up and trying to discard that which is of man? But sometimes throwing the baby out with the bathwater, throwing away some precious doctrines which are a part of, you know, the essential truths of Christianity. And I have this saying, look, we're anchored to the rock, but we're geared to the times. You know, we we want to move ahead in, in in being relevant to our age and to communicate well with those
0: that God has placed us among monks. But we can't do that at the expense of the truth, anchored to the rock, but geared to the times. I'll have to write that down now. Defensive, that's one side of it. But then there's something else I guess a lot of Christians know a lot about that is being offensive, but um, going on the offensive is another thing. Let's talk about that.
1: Okay, well, Eliezer was one of David's mighty men, and as we've read, he initiated an assault upon the enemy's camp. Uh, the Bible says that he was valiant, fighting with all his might until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to his sword. Must have been a long battle, yeah, must that must one. have been a big one. Yeah. But then he says this, Phil, the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. Now, when we look through the history of the church, we see there have been many trailblazers who went on the offensive for God and broke through. And often when this kind of victory is won, hundreds, thousands and even millions benefit from it. You know, we live from the spoils like those who return only to plunder. We're living from the spoils of those victory. So going on the offensive for God is going maybe where others have not gone before, taking the gospel
0: to where Christ has never been named. Mm, I guess there's lots of examples of people over the years that have done that. One that springs to mind for me is uh, C.T. Studd. He was an English cricket player and just an incredible story. Yeah, well, he played in that original match in
1: 1882 that was won by Australia when England... (laughs) He's <laughs> just young then, <laughs> weren't you?
0: <laughs> then uh, they they burned the bales of the wicked. You remember that? That was yeah, called the that ashes. Be, that became the ashes. That's right. Which we're still fighting over.
1: <laughs> exactly. Not Not yeah. We're just now. But the thing is that uh, he was in that original match. Now, in 1884, which was two years after that, his brother George was taken seriously ill, and Charles was confronted by the question: What? is all the fame and flattery worth when a man comes to face eternity. That's what he asked. And he had to admit that since his conversion six years previous to that, he was in an unhappy, accident state, quote, unquote. So as a result of the experience of confronting death like this, he said these words. He says, I know that cricket will not last. Honour would not last. Nothing in this world would last. But it was worthwhile living for the world to come. And so he became a missionary He emphasized the life of faith, believing Mm. that God would provide for the Christian's need. He went off to China, didn't he? He did. But you know what happened is that he was given an inheritance. And you think, great, he set up to to live from that. But he gave it all away because he wanted people to learn how to trust God for Mm. all their needs. He went to China. Then he went to India, I believe. And then eventually he went to Africa, founding the WEC, which is the Worldwide Evangelistic Crusade. But what I like about him is he coined this incredible phrase that we're talking about now. He said, some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. He was a trailblazer and others have followed after him only to plunder.
0: It's a different subject this week on Saints Punching Above Their Weight and we'll have more tomorrow. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book This Is The Life, which features topics from today's message, shop online at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.